we're continuing where we left off. It is um, December 29th, 2019. And we're going to continue with the thought of the week in prayer. All right, here is the thought of the week. Consider this. If, God's hold, if God holds up this age as an example of his utmost kindness to all other ages, there must be something very special about this age beyond all other ages. There are redeemed people in every age, for sure. If this is only about salvation, then what is so special about those in this age being elevated as an example of God's incomparable grace? After all, don't the redeemed of all ages share in the same grace, salvation? We are forced to say that these verses go beyond salvation. There is more that is special about this time in which we live and the calling we have. In pointing out these things, I am in no way diminishing our great salvation. I am drawing attention to the text before us and allowing God to have a say in what is important to him. After all, these verses are not about us in particular. They describe the heart of God who raised us up from being dead in trespasses and sin. It describes a God who made something great of us out of nothing. It describes a God who went beyond our expectations to demonstrate his loving and gracious character as his supreme attribute. He doesn't simply tell us how gracious he is, he demonstrates it. What he has done in us will stand for all time and eternity as his greatest act ever. All any creature has to do is look at us and they will see God's handiwork. They will marvel at us and then turn to admire God who created us in Christ Jesus before time began. From Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, and several of those uh, several of those sentences were referring to Ephesians chapter 2 as well. And I would like to add some commentary on to that just to remind us about the salvation that we have that is the same in all ages. It's important to make a distinction between the salvation in other ages and versus what we have. Um, a lot of what we have is not the result of salvation, it is the result of baptism of the Spirit and other, um, and the things that God has done in that regard. Salvation itself is the same in every age. We share in the same grace of salvation as the redeemed in other ages, either before us or after us in the church age. And this salvation does come by grace. It is the gift of God so that no one can boast. There is nothing to brag about. There is nothing to say, this is what I did in order for me to be able to receive salvation. That is not what God is asking. God is offering this gift and it is through faith in Christ. So in our hearts, if we place our trust in him, that is what saves. That is the faith that saves. It's not the performance of any work. In fact, if any works are being done, 
It's a refusal. It's a rejection of the gift. So rather, what we need to do is just simply trust in our hearts in Jesus Christ for the work that he has done. And he has done 100% of the work for us to be saved. He's got 100% of the authority. Let's turn over 100% of the responsibility for our soul salvation. And now I'd like to turn it over to Bill for our prayer. All right. This time, if there's anyone who stands in the need of prayer, this is the time that we bring those forward. As always, pray for me as I pray. This is Doug. I'm, I got so many things to pray for. Lord knows my heart. And But uh, one of the things to, to call out is uh, Word is Truth Christian Church in 2020. Pray for us. I've got a lot of things on my heart, but I would like to also pray on behalf of people I'm interacting with who either don't believe in God or are coming to believe in God. I pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to work in their hearts, as I know He will. All right. So we can bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you once again, O Father, that you have brought us through another year. We thank you, O Lord, not looking back, but we do recall all the times that you helped us, that you got us through hard and difficult moments in our lives. As we pray for others, we watch your work, O Lord. O Father God, we pray for this day, O Lord, that you give us all that we need. And we know that you know it all, O Lord. And if there's a furtherance for us, we ask that you lay the way for us, O oh Lord. Give us all the tools. Give us everything we need to continue on the journey. Oh, Father God, will you put us in a time that we are blessed through your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, O oh Lord. We thank you that you've given us such a high calling. We pray that you continue to prepare us, that we may furtherance our advancement in all that you would have us to do, O oh Lord. We want to pray for the pastor and his request, O oh Lord. We want to pray for Dwight and his request, O oh Lord. And the request of the whole word is truth, church. Give us the ability to move forward in your path, O oh Lord. Give us the ability and the things that we need that we may further be true to your word and be diligent in learning of you. It's in Jesus' name we ask these and all blessings. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. And Dwight, we are going to move forward at this point into John chapter 14 and verse 9. So we are, <laughs> this is probably our last uh, message for 2019. Um, obviously, we may meet on, uh, I'm considering meeting on uh, next Wednesday, which is uh, New Year's Day. And we will talk about it after, but uh, one thought rings in my mind, so we'll, we'll talk about that later. But 
this is our last Sunday in the year, and we are at a point in John where I think we are gaining some ground on the understanding of this chapter. So we are not going to break and do some sort of New Year's or Christmas uh, theme. We're going to keep right on the point of what is important at this point in our context uh, of John 14. So we're going to move right into 14 and verse 9. 14.9 says, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So you have notes. And in your notes, it reads, As Jesus unfolds the new way going forward, the disciples struggle to understand and believe. Imagine that. God reasons with us. In the next verses, we will see that reasoning, the reasoning of our Lord Jesus to convince the disciples of new truth. If we have humility, God is not distant or a mystery to us. He is very clear and is not so busy that he cannot take the time to reason with us in our spiritual walk. God cares that we understand his plan, and this tells us something about the heart of God. What an example to follow for us who labor in the word. We need this type of uh, divine patience as we minister to others who may be caught up in religion, tradition, or the world's thinking. Not only that, God was revealing information to the disciples that was not in their theology. The disciples knew what they knew, but this information seemed to clash with their eschatology. As we grow in grace, our knowledge will increase. The only way we will move forward is to trust God with each unfamiliar step. Quote, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's in John 16, 13. So we have Jesus' response. And the verse begins with Jesus answered. And his responses are always important. Where we should sit up and take notice. We should sit up and start, oh, what did Jesus answer to that? Right? Let's see. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to focus in on this first phrase. Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? So the first thought that I had was, don't you know me? So this comes from verse a previous verse, uh, verse 7, where Jesus made the point uh, earlier that Philip did know him. And if we look at that verse in 7, he says, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And then he makes this statement. From now on, for the record, right? <laughs> I'm saying it now, so you know it. You do know him and have seen him. So now you have it. Jesus is relating, and this is what prompts Philip's question. 
show us the Father, then, then we'll be satisfied. Right? So Jesus is emphasizing that one point, and he will continue to emphasize it. Knowing him is knowing the Father. I could have written here, seeing Jesus is seeing the Father. In fact, you should go ahead and write that in your notes, because I didn't. But that is the thought. If you know Jesus, then what was Jesus all about? We're going to see an example of living the Christian life through life, the life of Jesus. As Jesus came and he showed his relationship with the Father and he did not emphasize his own will, he allowed the Father to manifest in him through the relationship provided so that even though people were walking around with Jesus and seeing him and understanding him, really what they were seeing was the Father. So we'll get to more of that as we go on, but uh, just note, uh, we're going to get to point B at this point. So Jesus begins to teach from what is known to what is not known or unknown. This shows humility in the teacher. So let me focus on why do I say this shows humility? Because he takes them from a point where uh, he knows what they know, but he, he knows what they also don't know. So he gives them some foundation, but he also takes them further than their knowledge. See, religion can rehearse over and over certain themes and they don't really get into detail of what the theology of of it is when i say the theology i mean what does god think what does god really think here that's how we come closer and closer to the reality of god is to understand more and more of what he thinks but religion just goes in a circle sort of it goes around and around. Worship, you do these things, ritual, right? You do this, and then you say these words, and then you go home. You do your own thing. And then you come back, and you put yourself in that mood again. You worship, you, you praise, you, you hear some words, and you go home. <clears throat> we, don't, we do not want to be involved in religion. The pursuit of God is always a learning experience. That's how we have to see it. So Jesus teaches the disciples. He's constantly teaching them. But it shows that he himself has humility in the method that he brings or presents the Father. He has patience with the disciples. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time? Don't you know me? So it is clear that this is not a new thing. This is, this is a thing that he has taught them before. But it just went in one ear and it didn't even go out the other. It didn't even go in the one ear. It bounced off of that ear. Because they did not receive what Jesus said. But it's truth. It's what the Father's teaching. It's what the Father's plan is, right? So they need this information to penetrate their thinking and get into their heart. It's not there. 
So they refuse to believe. So it shows, as I hear Jesus pleading with them, don't you know me? I'm hoping you get that understanding of Jesus' desperation here. You have been with me this long. You have been walking around with me. You saw the miracles, the signs. You saw the fishes and the loaves. You saw all these things. Of, of anybody who should know, it should be you. I don't expect the world to know. That's why I speak to them in parables. So that seeing they really don't see uh, what I'm really saying. And because uh, they would reject it. They wouldn't even listen. They would run from me, just like in John 6, where it says they departed from him, those who were trying to follow him. So Jesus says, I, I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they don't see. Hearing, they don't hear, really. So, But they get some benefit out of the story. They say, well, that Christ, he's a really good guy. And he's a great storyteller. And And they will be attracted to Jesus Jesus is tugging at their heart. He's constantly trying to penetrate and reason with them. So he taught. And he, he, so Moses said this, and people are like, yes, he did. Yes, we know what Moses said. I could see him nodding their heads in agreement. But I say this unto you. And then people would be like, oh, I don't know. I know what Moses said. We trust him. We, we get what Moses did, but well, what are you saying again? So, so they needed to lean forward. See, knowledge is progressive. If, if all we needed to learn was some phrases, and if whoever, whosoever memorizes these phrases and can repeat them back, the same is mature or the same is saved. This is religion. But that is not it. You, knowledge has to be built on knowledge and it been built even more as we go up to... Uh, and the, the goal is to understand the reality of God. Knowing what God is doing and what he has me doing down here in the world. I'll keep going. So it shows great humility in Jesus. Point C, this draws our attention back to verse 1. And this is so important when I read this verse 1. As I read down further, I realize what Jesus started off telling them was the most important thing. Here's what he said. You believe in God, believe also in me. So what he's getting ready to tell them, and has told them already, and what he's telling them now, he's saying, look, I need you to trust in my words. You know I'm coming from God. You know who I am. You're, you already have gone through the fact that you, you're following me because you know that I am the Messiah. You believe that. Now you don't understand the Father's plan. That's what I'm trying to help you understand. So just as God, trust also in me. I'm here telling you these words. So if you don't have that attentiveness to the fact that Jesus' words are absolutely true, you can question them. What do you mean? Uh, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Or 
Lord, show us the Father. So that will be enough for us. We, they're questioning his words. I mean, this is Jesus. He, is, he has the authority of God, literally. For him to say that in verse 1, you believe in God, yeah. I, the same With the same trust that you have when you trust God, you need to trust me also. That's what he's saying. That's a tough statement. The disciples could have just walked away from Jesus and said, no way are we going to trust you over what God says. Jesus is saying, no, not only am I God, the word uh, was God and, and, and so forth, it says in John 1. But I am telling you, I am coming in the Father's name. I am coming in the person of the Father. Right? So, so I not only have the authority of God, but I am giving you the Father's plan. This is the reality. This is the reason for all things. So the disciples needed that. Um, so in, um, in verse 11, right, it says here, believe me when I say. Now listen, this is John 14, 11. Jesus is pleading with them. Believe me when I say. So now get this. For him to say, believe me when I say. Or in verse 10 where he says, don't you believe? Right? What it is, is they're not trusting in Jesus' words. They believe in God, yeah. yeah. I know about Moses. I know about all the children of Israel. I got the tabernacle. I know what the priest. I, I already know all that. And I believe in all that. But Jesus is saying, now, you got to trust me. I'm telling you the truth. And they were not. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least... Believe on the evidence of the, the works themselves. You know I've done these things. <laughs> and you know, So you, you've seen miraculous things that no man can do. You realize that. So if you don't believe, well, and we're not at this verse yet, the reasoning of it, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it, and, and probably two Sundays from now. But that reasoning is to say that you are to believe on the evidence of the works. I mean, if you don't believe, you, it, it still all goes back to that first verse. Believe also in me. Now, how do you fix your mind to do that is the question that you have to answer. You trust in the Old Testament. You've read that. Now, I am the image of the invisible God. So now you have to also believe in me. So given that, we're going to continue with uh, John 20, 31. I'll just go to that. Uh, 20, 20, 31 says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John gives a reason for why he's writing the book. And then chapter 21, which is the next chapter, 24 and 25, <clears throat> says, This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. He's seen it. He's witnessed it with his own eyes. 
Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the world, the whole world, would not have room for the books that would be written. Why does he say that? I mean, Jesus only lived 30-some years. Now, autobiography shouldn't take that long. But what he's trying to show you is that this man was not just a man. He was supernatural as well. The miracles, the literal uh, suspending of natural law and nature by this man, the calming of the waves and the sea. Peter said, what manner of man is this? Walking on the water. I mean, you could just continue healing the sick, <clears throat> you know, on and on. Things that he's done that they witnessed, that they could tell you in detail about, that were moments in time, but spoke very loudly to who Jesus was. These are the things that the disciples witnessed. This is what Jesus meant, but you have I been among you such a long time? And you know this? You know who I am. They should believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Point E. Let's move forward. Truth is progressive for us, as we already pointed out. <clears throat> but one thing to note about it, it says here, and we can cannot proceed until we hear and believe truth. Philip didn't believe and Philip didn't benefit from the teaching. So Philip heard it, but for some reason, Philip, when it came time for the test, Philip did not produce what he heard. He did not believe what he heard Jesus say. And the whole point of all of this, and me giving you those previous scriptures, is you ought to believe Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, you believe in God, believe also in me. You ought to. From what you know. Now maybe all the other people who follow me, maybe they don't know. Maybe they haven't seen all the miracles. Maybe they haven't seen, all they may have heard is a sermon. But you disciples, you know. If anybody is going to believe, it's going to be you. And as I look at the Gospels, many of... Uh, the things that are there <clears throat> are written for the disciples' learning. All the miracles, the signs, the wonders, as we can see, yeah, they were to help people believe that Jesus is the Christ, but they were really written for the disciples. Because the disciples were the foundation of the church. That's what we have. And how Jesus you know, established that he was the Messiah through signs, wonders, and miracles. And then you watch where the church then becomes part of, uh, you know, the establishment of signs, wonders, and miracles in the, in the communities around and in the world. <clears throat> they were able to see who Jesus was. And God continued showing miraculous signs because he was pointing the direction now to not only Christ, but the body of Christ who is in the world. What is our mission? All this knowledge is progressive. All of this knowledge 
is direction change. For people who are religious, it's going to be hard. Because they don't like to change directions. They like what they like. And even as they rehearse the words that are said over and over, it bolsters their confidence in those words. It gives them more, like, yeah, we believe this. We Not only to believe it, but it's ingrained in our hearts that this is truth. When something comes along that is railing or fighting against that or is contrary to that, then the, the, the challenge begins. Truth is progressive. It is not stagnant. It is progressive. And unless you're growing in truth, unless God is making it the way clearer and clearer to you, then there could be something wrong. You could be caught in this circular religious reasoning. It is progressive. Just remember that. And it's going to always require faith. You're going to always be uncomfortable. As I said earlier, it, it's an unfamiliar step of faith that you're going to have to continue to take. Yeah, yeah, you're growing up. Yeah, you, you have some muscle on your faith now, but it's still going to require you to exercise faith, to continue to trust in the progressive nuances of the word to come out. Point F, let's keep going. Even after, don't you believe in, don't you know me, Philip? Even after, <laughs> he's emphasizing. Philip, it's time to put what you should have learned to the test. And I would say that's going to hit all of us. Right? What we should know will be tested. Unless somebody checks us on that, we can continue going and deluding ourselves and thinking that, oh, we got it all together. Everything we've always learned, well, that's what I have. I've, and this, you know, this is how politicians think about it. As I've always said and I've always maintained over all these years. No, forget about all that. This is what's really in your heart. And what's really in your heart is you might have flip-flopped ten times about what truth is. You might have. And who cares about that? They saw evidence of who Jesus was. And yet, it still didn't penetrate that Jesus' words were truth, that Jesus was speaking uh, for God. And later, as we're going to see, it was the Father <laughs> that they were seeing and hearing. That's what it was. Yeah. In fact, that's verse 24. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. The words you hear, this is John 14, 24, the words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. There's a descriptive understanding of what exactly was happening in Jesus. Yeah, so even after all this time, Philip, you... you uh-oh, something's happening to my recorder. Stand by.